Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus. And as a result, this podcast is called the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Now, you may have noticed I started this podcast off with a little Taylor Swift. Random? Absolutely not. There's a reason for that. Yesterday I was in Shul and uh, I was hanging around mainly just to collect uh, compliments on my podcast. And sure enough, you hang around long enough, somebody will bump into you and reluctantly tell you that they like your podcast, if anything, just so you get out of the way so they can get whatever they need from the smorgasbord that's going on during the Kiddush. And they said that my podcast was calling was causing shown bias issues because the husband in the car, naturally, what does he want to listen to? He wants to listen to Taylor Swift. And the wife, naturally, what does she want to listen to? She obviously wants to listen to the Shmuel House podcast. So obviously I've, I'm going to go with the wife because she wants to listen to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. But I figured, why should my podcast be the reason why couples are fighting? Instead, I'll just put Taylor Swift music directly into my podcast. And so now both the husband who's obsessed with Taylor Swift, and maybe they should get that checked out or not. Maybe it's just innocent. And now the wife also gets both the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast and Taylor Swift singing together. It's perfect. Everybody gets along. I got a message from my cousin Hanala. That's my cousin who I had on the podcast the other time who gave me instructions not to go um, um, um after every sentence I say. And it was a message that she got saying that uh, from somebody who said that he got the recommendation from my cousin Hanala to listen to the podcast, and he was laughing, and he really liked it, and it was funny. In fact, he said he almost got into a car accident from all the laughing while he was driving. Now, a few things. First of all, it made me feel really good because my end goal or my complete goal for making this podcast was to make from people laugh. That is my goal. Now, if other people laugh too, that is great. That's also exciting. But really, that was my goal, to create a, a space where from people can joke about the lives, or in this case, this one person, me, can joke about the lives that we have in the from community. Now, in fact, before I go to sleep at night, I will ask myself, Shmuel, did you make a from person laugh today? Now, sometimes I will make a from person laugh just in shul, and I'll find out later during the day that that person just fried out to a different religion, and now I have to find a new from person to make laugh because that's my goal every day. So I have to stop pretty much like Mephtahim on the corner, stopping people saying, by, the, by any chance, are you Shemr Shabbos? What's the deal with no minivans, vi, minivans being used in James Bond's movies or, or any action film like escape route type car and just try to make a from person laugh? But really, that is uh, the goal for my podcast and so happy that I am doing it. Now... I wanted to talk a little bit about Ron DeSantis. Again, you know, nobody's paying any attention to this, but we have a governor in Florida who is super conservative, and I think he's doing a lot of things which could potentially be damaging to the, uh, to the country. So this latest thing, well, first to the state, and then he, he has his eyes on becoming president. So now the latest thing is DeSantis is threatening to ban sugar cereals. And he says we want freedom and independence from these sweet cereals. So first of all, I don't understand what the conservative value is there. If my kids want to have Shabbos cereal, which, by the way, is only once a week, Shabbos cereal, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't understand why you have to, under the name of 
being conservative and Republican have to outright ban this. Also, the, the reasoning that his office provided or a spokesperson provided as to why they're going to ban sugar cereals, I'm not, I'm not following. So first of all, he says uh, Fruit Loops is a very provocative-sounding cereal. Okay. Uh, I think there's a double entendre to so many different things, but I don't think kids are thinking that way. The second thing is he said tricks are not for kids. Tricks are from pimps, which, again, completely not the same spelling. Tricks the cereals, T-R-I-X. The other tricks that we're talking about, I think, is spelled C-K-S. If there are any pimps who are listening to this, the Shmuel Tenaz podcast, if you can please confirm. But anyways, I really starting to get uncomfortable with DeSantis really pushing this conservative values and families should be able to choose what kids eat for breakfast. So now I want to do a little ad read. And uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor, uh, Amazon.com, for sponsoring this week's podcast. Here is the ad. Hello, we're Amazon.com. As you can tell, we have an arrow from A to Z because we sell anything that you want. If you want a toothbrush or you want tires or if you want a car or really anything else, we sell it. And also, we wanted to tell you that we were going to highlight a couple of products that you can buy from us or different promotions, but we literally sell everything and we have every service available to you. Now a special business for small business owners. Amazon loves you and small business owners. So much so is we want to take your whole business so you don't have any small business. Why do we want to do that? Because we know that deep down nobody wants to work. And so here at Amazon we recognize that. And if you're a small business owner, we want to take that small business that you have. Also, uh, we don't want to take it immediately. We want to take it slowly. So if you want to list some items so then we can understand what sells best and make it by ourselves, that would be great. One more thing. As a small business owner, like we said, Amazon, we're here coming for your business. But at the same time, our website, if you want to buy a sign that says going out of business that you can put on your storefront because now Amazon put you out of business, no problem. We can ship it to you with Prime. Just go to the website, order it. We'll get it to you in two days or less. Go to Amazon.com forward slash the Shmuel Tenant House podcast. Okay. Thank you, Amazon. That was a little strong, but I will take the ad revenue. And as you know, we don't really have advertisers, but at the same time, we're trying to manifest because it's all about manifesting. We want to manifest and we want to get that ad money. So we have fictitious ads. So let's talk a little bit about our community and little sexism and chauvinism that goes on from the husbands to the wives. So sometimes husbands, especially as there are kids and the family is growing and the expenses are increasing, they have some ridiculous notion that the wives ought to be working. Unbelievable. How wives should even have time to raise their kids, take care of the home, and take care of the mental husband, but at the same time, they should also work. So what I want to explain to husbands is, when a baby is born, then you have a wife who feeds the baby from her body. It's called nursing. Okay, now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but not only is there a formula shortage, even when there's not, formula is very expensive. It costs a lot of money. My point from all of this is that literally your wife is the cash cow. 
because she's giving milk like a cow, but at the same time, it costs a lot of cash, which she's now saving for the family. So the next time you think your wife should work, remember, at the end of the day, who is the cash cow of the family. Now, again, I try not to venture into politics here other than keeping a very, very, very trained eye on Ron DeSantis because I'm here in Florida. But I want to give you an example of how much misinformation there is and bias there is in the news. There's been a lot of talk that Trump's place in Florida here was raided by the FBI. Complete malarkey, like President Biden says, because first of all, it was not the FBI. The, the group that raided the Trump compound was the FDA, and they were there just to get some samples from the Trump steaks that were in the freezer. So the Food and Drug Administration just took a pallet of steaks from Trump. That's all that's going on. When we're talking about files, it's not files. They were taking filet mignon from some of those steaks. And this is just, again, it's not related to kashrus, but it's just the FDA just has to make sure that everything food production-wise is safe and healthy. So again, everybody going crazy. This has nothing to do with anything. This next little thing that I'm going to talk about here is going to be understood by very few people, but the people who hopefully do understand it will very much appreciate it. So Friday night in Shoal, which, by the way, is many of the things that I've given up since the babies were born, and I do miss it somewhat, but not always. Now, in Shoal, a chazan gets up there Friday night, and it comes to Lechadaydi, and they have to pick a tune that they're going to carry for a bunch of stanzas. Now, everybody already is sleeping in shoal, either that or there's some alternative mental state. So not really a time where you can get people to sing with you. The message to whoever is Chaz on Friday night is pick a very easy song for people to follow. This is not the time to test out a new niggin that you discovered on YouTube last week. That thing on YouTube has 100 views and 98 thumbs down. So not only do, does nobody ever, has, has nobody ever heard of this song, at the same time, it's got so many thumbs down, so even the people who did hear it don't like it. This is not a song that people in Shaw are going to be familiar with. Another thing, you're very excited. You found a niggin, somebody sold it to you secondhand on Craigslist. Again, it's not a time to test a song Friday night when everybody is tired. When you're six or seven stanzas through L'Chadaydi and still nobody is picking up on the tune that you're trying to force down everybody's throats, it's time to look yourself in the face and say, this L'Chadaydi niggin is not really going on. Nobody really knows it. Nobody likes it. And frankly, nobody likes you either. So now let's switch it up to something very easy. Let's get a little dancing going and let's all go home because we're tired. I wanted to talk a little and address some of the economic hardships that we are facing as a people, as a country, as a nation. And so this is for people who want to get their kids a scooter for Shoal. Now I'm not advocating that you necessarily do this. I'm just sharing a potential hack that can, you, you can do this, that you can make your financial burden a little lighter. So what you do is, 
Scooters are expensive. The kids are always getting it. They're always losing it. The idea is take advantage of this. So if you don't want to spend the money on a new scooter, just go to show where they have 40, 50 scooters. And then during Kriya Satera, when people are already outdoors drinking at the Kiddush Club, what you do is find a scooter that you think is going to be approximately the right size for your, chi- right size for your child, and then take a name label of your family's last name and just put it on the scooter. And there you go. You just got yourself a new scooter. Now, it's got to be, my suggestion would be is don't do it on a scooter that already has a, a, a label because it's going to be conflicting labels. And then it's going to be a whole debate who, whose label is really correct. So I would find the bike without a, a scooter without a label because it serves them right. They should have labeled it. And at that point, if the owner ever notices it and he says, wait a second, that's my scooter, you say, are you crazy? Look, I have a label. You think I came to show on Shabbos and I just printed a label? Obviously, hopefully he doesn't listen to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast and realize what's going on. In fact, this trick works so well. This year when I sent my kid to camp overnight, I didn't even send him with any clothing, just an empty suitcase and a bunch of name labels. And I said, listen, kid, anything that you think really looks good or fits you, just put a label on it. That way we don't have to shop before camp, schlep all the suitcases, whatever you like, bring home. It's a win-win for our family. Now, as we are approaching the end of summer, there is a feeling that I have called double jealousy because in the beginning of the summer, I spoke to people and they were out of state going on some lavish vacation. Now it's the end of summer These same people that I was jealous of at the beginning of the summer are now doing their second summer vacation in some exotic location. Something with Jewish kosher restaurants opening up in Mexico and Bahamas. It's it's killing me. I, I, I tried to tell these people, listen, I've just recovered from my envy from the beginning of the summer, and now you're on a second vacation? I mean, it's going to take me now another month and a half to get over this. Now... A couple of things. There's nothing that makes my heart sink when I call somebody else. Forget about that they're on vacation. But their ringer when you call them is an out-of-country ring. And you hear it right away, and my heart just drops. I'm like, this guy, not only is he out of state, but he's out of the country. I also want to be out of the country. I have little babies and no money. But, you know, I guess that's stopping me. So first of all, if anybody knows, I would love to get myself, if you call me, I would love to put an out-of-country ringer just to make people jealous, to give myself the illusion that I'm going out of the country. My chavrusa for Shar B'tachan, which we learned to deal with her ongoing stress and anxiety, I tried to learn with him last week. He was on a second vacation. Where? To the Bahamas. Clearly, he is stressed out of his mind because there's a lot of things that he's got to deal with right now. He doesn't know, should he get a room with a balcony? Should he get a room that has one of those private pools in, in front of him? Another thing that he's really stressing about is, like, when the pool boy comes to apply suntan lotion on his back, do you give a tip or do you just give something to, to room service? How do you do? So he's very stressed and I shouldn't be judging anybody. So the next thing I want to talk about is the economy right now is so bad. I saw a sign in our show that the cemeteries are now charging for Seamus pickup. So just in general, if you are from, your car weighs about 150 to 200 pounds extra than a non-from car. Why? Because in your trunk, you have about 100 pounds worth of stored Seamus that's been sitting there that your wife has asked you for months now, can you please get this Seamus out of my house? 
these hyenas are going to bury us alive, literally. So I know families that have gotten rid of their Seamus in a holy way, and now they're consuming a lot less fuelage, and second of all, the car goes about 15 to 20 miles per hour faster. And again, that answers the question why I said in the beginning, why in action movies you never have a minivan, a Frum minivan, running around saving people jumping out. They just, the minivans, the Frum cars, they don't go fast. They have a Seamus handicap, 150 pounds in the back of things to get rid of, kids' homework and things like that. Now, sometimes, because there is this new charge for Seamus, we are experiencing where a car will zip into the show parking lot, they will throw out a bag or box of Seamus, and they will make a dash right back onto the highway. And their license plate is covered, the family's all wearing sunglasses. And I realize this is trying, this is a family trying to do the right thing. And ultimately, you know what they want? This family wants to be shamelessless. And so what you have is an example of shameless, shamelessless. Try saying that fast 10 times. Okay. Now, I want to talk about from perks, FPs. There's definitely perks to being from. This podcast is one of them, clearly. Another one that I discovered last week that only exists if you're from. If you're not from, I'm sorry. You could become from if you want. And I'm not saying you have to become from to be a better person. I'm just saying if you want to take advantage of this perk, you will get it automatically if you're from. Here's how it goes. If you go to bed at night and you had the brilliant idea that I want to go to bed tonight, but I want to be chewing this delicious sugar-free gum that my friends or my kids have. And it's delicious, and you're chewing it, and it's giving your mouth this really nice flavor, and your mouth is not feeling as dry. But now you're about to catch some Z's, and you're going to fall asleep, and you have the gum in your mouth. What do you do? As a from person, you have an FP. You know what that is? You just take the gum and you put it in your Negelwasser schissel. What would a non-from person have to do? They pretty much have to throw it at the ceiling. And again, I'm not saying this is a reason to become from, but if you go to bed chewing gum at night, you have a place to put it very conveniently. By the next morning, it's hard. You just dump it in the toilet or in a garbage, and you're good to go, and you're ready to carry on your day. But if you're not from, it's possible that your head at this point is now glued to your pillow because the gum that you try to put on your pillow got stuck in between your hair and your pillow, and who knows what could happen. So I wanted to talk about a different topic, and that is if you were to get stuck on an island and you were only able to have one item with you, which item would it be? For me, it's a no-brainer. If I were to be stuck in an island, the plane goes down, I would want a Shabbos lamp. I'm not 100% sure why I would want it. I think it's just that safety that I feel like, hey, life is normal. I have one of, again, an FP, a Shabbos lamp is only a from thing. I have a Shabbos lamp here. 
I have a sense of normalcy and belonging. Now, if a rescue mission would come, I'd say, hey, guys, the first thing you got to do is if you get me a generator and some romance novels and a self-help book because I already have a Shabbos lamp, I'm all ready to go. And like Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway, what potentially I would do is I would just talk to my Shabbos lamp and I would call him Schlampy because it's a Shabbos lamp. And the E is because all from names end with an E. Yankee, Shloimi, Shmuli, Mendy, Levy, you know what I'm saying. So uh, that is what I would do. I don't know what you would pick on an island. Now, I wanted to talk about a different topic, and that is school is upon us. It's starting very soon. My kids start school this week. Important decisions need to be made in households across the country, and that is, do you make the lunches the night before so that you're not running like your hair is on fire the next morning when all the kids are waking up late and people are just scrambling from homework and breakfast. So do you make it the night before or do you decide, you know what, it's hectic, let's make it a little more hectic. We love the adrenaline in the morning trying to get everybody ready on time. Now, it does seem like a much better idea to make the lunches the night before. The problem that I have with that is that it is potentially a very slippery slope. Because what you're saying is, you know, there are tasks that need to be done the night before so we are less stressed in the morning. So taking it a step further, perhaps, maybe, the kids ought to be dressed in their school uniforms the night before. And of course, some of you are saying, yes, absolutely. We do that anyways. So then the next question is, maybe we shouldn't even take the kids out of the car when they go home. Maybe the kids should just stay in the car, maybe go in the house, get a bite, take a shower, come back in the car, sleep in the car in their uniform. So in the next morning, you could actually park in the school parking lot and wake up. And basically your kids only come home, you, you take them out of the house on Monday and they go back into the house Friday afternoon because you're just living this car to school life. You see what I'm saying? You, you start with making the lunches the night before and what you end up doing is you end up sleeping in the school parking lot because you want to be on time the next day. So another thing that's been on my mind this week and that is before and after photos. This is just in general. When you see this for either hair products or weight loss pro products, they will always have somebody who looks like a complete disaster and then afterwards, the after photo shows them they took the hair pill and now they have a head full of hair or they took a diet pill and or shake and now they're looking so fine and thin. The question is, how do we really know which one is before and after chronologically? Is it possible that somebody actually looked you know, he had a decent hair of, uh, head of hair, and then he takes the pill and it all falls out. So the before picture that you're saying is before is actually the after picture. Ditto with the weight loss thing. Maybe the person looked okay, then they took this weight loss pill and it completely messed up their digestive system. And now they're a schlub. So what I think we ought to do is with a before and after photo to make them more legit, they ought to be holding up a newspaper 
with the date on it. So we can confirm, okay, this is that date and this is that date. And I don't know why it's never been done before. If I had to choose between two products, one had before and after photos and one had before and after photos with newspapers as evidence that these were take before and after, I would definitely want to go with the before and after. So a few more things to share. So this Shabbos, uh, there was a little incident where I went to a sibling's house and I saw cookies on the counter and without really giving it any thought, my mind and my hand were working robotically to take those cookies from the counter and insert one of them into my mouth. As I'm starting to taste it and bite the cookie, I realize, wait a second, this thing tastes a little too good to be a regular pyre of cookie. Sure enough, I look at the wrapper, and I look at the, the, the covering of the package. That's the word I was looking for, not the covering, the wrapper. The, the package says, Chol of Yisrael. So what do I do? Like a good fruit Jew, I run to the garbage, I spit it out in front of everybody, try to make the best impression possible on my nephews and nieces. There is uncle, you know, spitting his brains out into the garbage. He throws the cookie into the garbage. Now, this idea that I was able to sense that there, this cookie was a little too good and it's milchiks and I just had fleshiks and shul and this is a problem, what do you refer to that as? So that is called fleshik instinct because it's instinctive that you're fleshiks. So that is one example of fleshik instinct. A few more examples of fleshik instinct would be is if you're going to sleep very late at night and you're about to eat a steak, but then you know you're going to wake up in less than six hours and you're going to need to have a coffee. So you're like, I'm not going to eat this steak because then I won't be able to have my coffee with milk and I need to have my coffee with milk. That is a second example of fleshik instinct. Now, I'm wondering if Sharon Stone would convert to Judaism, would Sharon have fleshic instinct? I think she would. I think she would. You're free to, to disagree. Another example, which my friend Shlemy Klein from Fleshic Magazine had mentioned, is like Shabbos afternoon, if you're at a meal and you're calculating in your head, do I eat this piece of schnitzel right now or I won't be able to eat ice cream after Shabbos? Another example of fleshic instinct. And now we are at the tail end of this week's show. There's no interview, even though I was thinking of interviewing myself, but I'm going to spare you for that. So here's, here's where I talk about. This is, again, uh, like so many things I discuss here on the podcast, a painful topic, but one I think has to be surfaced on the Shmuel Tenenos podcast. Talking about here of husbands cheating on their wives and what is known as infidelity, but in this situation I'm talking about as it occurs within our community. And I typically use this podcast as a forum to advance light topics and comedy, but every once in a while we have to stop and acknowledge that there's a real problem that exists. In fact, I want to cop to something because we're in a safe space and we're being honest. There's definitely been times where I've committed 
this sort of infidelity and, if you will, cheated on my wife. Now, what am I referring to? Very simple. Your wife is at home on Shabbos. She prepares a beautiful Shabbos meal. She tells you, come home a certain time. We're having guests. She also tells you, do me a favor. Don't eat too much at the Kiddush at Shul because when you come home, you're not going to want to eat anything. What does the husband say? Sure, of course, babe. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm coming home right after Shul. Ah, Shul Kiddush, the food is disgusting, babe. Your food is the best. You're the best balabastus ever. But then you come to Shul and all of a sudden, you know, powers that you can't describe start pulling you towards the Kiddush. And first you take a hot potato knish and you're like, that's it I'm going to have. But then you look around and there's a tray of cold cuts. The hot shalant is coming out. There's a fish section there. Somebody has l'chaim. Before you know it, you show, ho- you show up at home 45 minutes late. And when you show up, I mean, your wife is not an idiot. You smell like somebody else's chalant. Okay? You have beet salad stains on your shirt. You have herring breath. She knows you're cheating on her with a different kiddush. In fact, some people are such blatant cheaters, that's sometimes the second or third kiddush because they're at the presidential kiddush. But that, no, 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 that's not enough for them. That, that's not enough. They're always looking for a younger, better-looking kiddush. And so they'll wait for the main kiddush, and then they come home, and the meal is all set, and the husband is basically just nibbling on sunflower seeds during the whole meal. Meanwhile, the wife knows that there is some serious KI going on, and the KI I'm referring to is kiddush infidelity. And so do I have a solution for this? I don't. In fact, I'm part of the problem because this is something that occurs on the regular and as much as I try to control myself, I can't really control myself. And so what I think ought to happen is there used to be a TV show called Cheaters. It was one of my favorite TV shows. And when I was watching it, the host, his name was Joey Greco. And it's when a spouse is concerned that there's other significant other is cheating on them, what they'll do is they'll hire cheaters and cheaters will follow them and they will follow the cheating spouse around till they catch the spouse cheating in the act and then there was a scene where they do a confrontation. And the wife or the husband confronts the other and says, wait a second, look, I have you on camera caught red-handed. And so what I would think is you would have like a black and white camera and you would see a guy in shul and the narrator, the voiceover is going, okay, there you see him. He's in shul. He's wearing his talus. He's pacing back and forth. He looks around like nobody notices what he's doing. Okay, we see him making a line directly to the crackers Okay, there we go. He takes two crackers. He puts them under his talus. You can see him munching on it. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is so hard to look at. Okay, he's grabbing a plate now. He's putting some chalant on the plate. Okay, bring her. Bring her fast. Bring her fast. And boom, the wife would come out and be like, Chaim, you're a cheater. 
You said you weren't eating anything at the Shul Kiddush, but look at you. You got a huge smile on your face. And there's a bunch of cracker crumbs in your beard. And, and, and you come to my house and tell me to my face that you're not eating at the Shul Kiddush? You're a liar. I can't trust you. And I think, again, the problem is that we can't do any of this on Shabbos because there's recording, there's people jumping out. And so the logistics of this has to be worked out. But I do think that if we can get such a system in place, it will really, really deal with all this two-timing that we have going on in, my commu- in our community at large. Now, as we conclude this week's episode of the Shmuel Tenenos podcast, I will tell you that behind every semi-successful Jewish po- comedy podcast, there is a sister who sells vintage clothing on the internet who tells the podcaster, hey, it would be great I know you don't like social media and it's evil, but I'm already engulfed in that world and I'm anyway slipping away from reality and I will take some of the clips from your podcast and make small bite-sized things like little chocolate chips that I can share from your account in case anybody from the show wants. And that is exactly what happened in my situation. My sister, I'm not going to say who, she does sell vintage clothing on the internet, created a Instagram account for the show, which I have no access to, but she's taking some of her favorite clips and putting it there so they are small and bite-sized and shareable. So if you're interested and you're anyway spending six to seven hours a day on Instagram, check out the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. I think that's what it is. Anyways, have a wonderful week. We will be back next week for more fun. Thanks.